It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Support for this podcast comes from the first one with DJ Khaled, a new podcast only available on Amazon Music. What's up, y'all? This is DJ Khaled, and this is the first one. I talk to the most iconic artists on the planet about songs that didn't change the game, but changed their life. We hear from all the A-list music stars like J Balvin, Nas, and Kelly Rowland, who tell their stories about the first hits that took them to being overlooked to being overbooked. Join me every Thursday, only on Amazon Music. This football season will be different, and Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day no matter how you watch this season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game, it's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. You are Locked On Bengals, your daily Cincinnati Bengals podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals Podcast. I'm your host, Jake Wisco, along with my co-host, James Rapine, here to take you through the end of the Bengals bye week. And we're going to start today's show before getting into the second half of the season, previewing the schedules. James doesn't think I'm going to do this, but I might actually make some predictions or at least the way I'm leaning on some games in the second half. That'll be most of the show, but we're going to get started with the rookie of the year race. I know a lot of Bengals fans keenly interested in this race as there's not much else to really follow this year outside of Joe Burrow's development and emergence. What's the current status of the race? Why is the Herbert versus Burrow debate so popular? And what do we think of it? That's where we're going to start the show before we get into the second half schedule. James, I personally don't really love the Burrow versus Herbert debate. I understand why it exists, but it's not something that really does much for me. They're very different players in very different situations. Justin Herbert, much better than I thought he would be. Joe Burrow, better than I thought he would be. I thought that Joe Burrow would be pretty good, though. They're even in the sports books right now. The last I saw, they're both plus 100 in the offensive rookie of the year race. That's kind of interesting, right? Justin Herbert's had some big weeks. Joe Burrow had a bad game against Baltimore. That's when Herbert really got into it, but he's been pretty good for the last three weeks. He's been great. And it, it's crazy because Burrow's playing at such a high level right now over the past three weeks. And we sort of expect it moving forward. Like I know I do, like as long as the deficiencies around him don't make it impossible. So for example, next week against the Steelers, if the offensive line can give him, give him any time and keep TJ Watt at bay and Bud Dupree at bay, then I expect him to fare and be okay against a really, really high end defense, arguably the best defense in the NFL. So when things don't collapse around him, I think Burrow's going to be okay. And then against teams with average defenses or below average defenses, I expect him to carve them up. So I think this is, he's trending in the right direction. And despite that in his stellar play, I kind of think that this is what he is, which is a guy who's going to give you elite numbers and an elite play at the quarterback position. As long as everything around him is just not even competent, but below average, it doesn't even have to be great. And I think we are seeing that. 
I can agree with that. I can agree that he's been very, very good. Justin Herbert, however, has also been pretty remarkable. He's he's doing the gaudy things. He's doing the eye-catching things. He's putting up the highlight reel plays in a way that Joe, Joe Burrow isn't doing quite as often. He's, he's hitting all those deep passes, right? Uh, Herbert, according to PFF, 13th league-wide in 20-plus yard throws, Burrow 27th. Now, a lot of what's going on for Burrow in this category has to do with the first five weeks of the season. In the last few weeks, the deep ball has really come around for Burrow. It's really become much more of a staple in his game. But the thing that is, for me, tilting toward Joe Burrow is the things that he does well tend to be more stable, tend to be more predictive than the things that Justin Herbert's doing well. So Justin Herbert is very much on the Josh Allen range of outcomes, right? Big arm, good athleticism, can can make all the throws, but but inconsistent. And we've seen those mistakes happen for Justin Herbert. We've seen the areas where he's thriving. We know these are areas that year over year and even game to game very widely. It's just, it's very easy to miss that deep shot instead of hitting the guy in the bread basket to miss it by a yard or two. And so far, we haven't seen a ton of that from Herbert. We saw a lot of that from Joe Burrow early in the year. So where Burrow has been really good, he's third best in the NFL and for a while was first best, I believe, in the NFL in terms of PFF grade on throws that are 20 yards or closer to the line of scrimmage. That's most throws that quarterbacks make in the NFL. And so with that being the case and with the progression we've seen from Burrow in the last three weeks and the way things are trending for him, and the, the way some of these defenses in the second half get a little bit softer, I actually kind of like Joe Burrow's chances right now, but that does assume that there will be some volatility for Justin Herbert that we haven't really seen yet, but I expect is coming. I totally agree. I think that there is going to be a stretch where he does struggle, right? And he, he honestly, and this is the key to this rookie of the year race, if they both do what they did in the first half, I don't even think it is as close as the odds say, because Joe is doing so much more. At some point, it isn't just stats, it's value and and what you bring. And you got one guy who's made the calls at the line of scrimmage and and emerged as a a leader from day one and was the the unquestioned starter and all of these things. And then Herbert, and I'm not knocking him, and this is exactly what they should do in Los Angeles, but you mentioned it. They're relying on his big arm, his athleticism, things that you should do, but he's not nearly as refined. He isn't carrying as much as Burrow is. And I think that's the big difference right now between the two. The stats might be similar or give Herbert the edge, but overall Burrow's doing more. He's the guy that's uh, not reading plays off his armband anymore. That's Joe Burrow, right? That's the guy that's getting this team doing checks that, like CJ Uzama said, he didn't even know the quarterback was allowed to make putting this team in a position to make plays where otherwise they might be having a pretty tough time and they might be having a pretty tough time in week 10, but the back half of the schedule doesn't look that bad. And James, you said before we started recording, I don't make many predictions, but when I look ahead of the schedule, I might at least give you the way I'm leaning on some of these games that's coming up next. This football season is different and Pepsi here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch this season. Of course, I'm watching the away games, same way you are, from the comfort of my own couch. And Pepsi 
is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels. Because Pepsi isn't made for those who play the game. It's made for those who watch it. Pepsi, made for football. Watching. This is Ross Jackson from Locked on Saints. This podcast is brought to you by Carvana. In the age of online retailers, buying a car should be no different. And that's why Carvana invented a brand new way for you to buy a car that's 100% online. Without leaving the comfort of your couch, you can browse and buy from their selection of almost 20,000 cars. And once you've made the purchase, your car comes to you delivered right to your door, or you can go and pick it up from one of the coin-operated car vending machines. All of Carvana's cars come with a seven-day return policy, ensuring that you get a car that fits perfectly with your life. Not happy? Exchange it or return it for a full refund. And with its dedication to customer service, it's why hundreds of thousands of customers have ditched the dealership and given Carvana 4.7 stars in customer satisfaction. So check it out, the nation's fastest growing auto retailer at Carvana.com, C-A-R-V-A-N-A.com, Carvana.com. The Bengals are 2-5-1 on the year and Next week, they kick off the second half of the season. Jake, how convenient is it to have a bye week nine? I like this. Right smack dab in the middle of the season. Not the first time that it's happened in, in the Bengals' history. I think I think last year they went mm-hmm. to London for week eight. They had the week nine bye right afterwards. And this year, they didn't even have to go overseas to do it. I love it. And I feel like usually the Bengals' bye week is is you know week six or something like that. I don't know. It never feels quite as convenient as it has for the last two seasons. I just wish that the team maybe was a little bit more ready to compete and and win in those seasons, I guess, to to take advantage of the scheduling anomaly, because I would call it an anomaly, at least for the Bengals. Coming off the bye, though, has been a thorn in the side, especially of the Marvin Lewis teams. We've only seen one of these under Zach Taylor. This is the first one we'll see for Joe Burrow, and I am eager to see it, James, because it's a tough contest. And and actually, a scheduling quirk has the Bengals playing three out of their next four games on the road, and then the end of the season goes the other way. They finish with a lot of games at home, but the first game off the bye to Pittsburgh and that apparently very, very good defense, if not the best defense in the NFL going to be a really tough test right it's just it is I think everyone has a loss in their mind with this game I haven't looked at the spread yet because we're still you know the Steelers still have to play and things like that they'll they'll beat up on the Cowboys this Sunday but it's going to be crazy challenging and I'm not really expecting a win you just hope one Joe Burrow gets out of there okay two maybe they can compete a little bit how nice would that be and I and I, I get it there's no moral victories but the way the Steelers are playing, they're going to be undefeated going into that matchup. I think it's just – it's really hard. We'll get into it more next week. I just think it's such a, a tough ask. But like you said, coming off of a bye, a coaching staff has more time to prepare. These players can take a mental break and what's probably been a really stressful couple of months. So who knows? Maybe they come out and they perform well. And the other part of this, the game was flexed, the 425. I feel like we're going to see a really lopsided – line in this game I know you're not looking ahead yet I just I imagine that's where it is I also haven't looked ahead but I'm with you I I don't see this as a win for the Bengals but I am very excited to see how Joe Burrow handles the game I'm excited to see what kind of game plan they come up with to try to 
protect Joe Burrow. We've seen them do a better job of that since the Baltimore game, and it needs to continue. And Pittsburgh, is this is going to be the best pass rush they face maybe all season. Although, it doesn't necessarily get a whole lot easier against the Washington football team in Week 11. On the whole, much, much worse football team. There's not really much of an offense to speak of outside of Terry McLaurin in Washington. The defense is really just Chase Young and Montez Sweat. And those guys are playing pretty well on the defensive line. But Chase Young has been very good. And that's another test for this offensive line and this offense to to protect Burrow. But a lot more of a winnable game. This is one where initially when I was looking at the schedule, I was like, I don't know. I kind of want to learn more about where Washington's going defensively. Now I'm feeling a little bit better about it. And I'm leaning Bengals in this one. Absolutely, it's a game they should win. And, and I'm not going to say, you know, many should wins. But but to me, I get it's on the road. But Joe Burrow is at that level, right, where y- you should win games like this. And and so we'll see. Obviously, keeping them upright is going to be uh, something we mention each and every week. If they can do that, they should be able to outscore uh, a Washington team that, you're right, outside of Terry McLaurin and maybe Antonio Gibson. I, I think he's a guy that I could see having a, a huge game um, outside of those two guys, if you could contain them, I think you can you can beat that Washington team. In the very next week, it's back-to-back NFC East opponents. This time, the Bengals return home. They play the Giants. And again, Jake, I view this game, it's Joe Burrow, and he's he just gives you such an advantage in, in games like this against quarterbacks that are below average or just young and we're waiting for answers. I think we have our answer on Burrow. So this is a game I expect the Bengals to win. Yeah, obviously there's a lot of time between now and November 29th when the Bengals play host to the New York Giants. I have a very hard time seeing these teams as they are constituted today, culminating with anything but a decisive Bengals victory in this game. I I know that, you know, any given Sunday and the Giants have played some teams tough lately and whatever you want to say, I just, this is a very bad football team in the New York Giants. It's, it's back in Cincinnati. The Bengals are 2-2 two and two in Paul Brown Stadium, if, if I have that right. I think I do. And so that's obviously been something that, that's gone pretty well for them this year. And, and they get a bad team at home. I, I have a hard time seeing this one going another way, barring something crazy happening between now and then. Uh, but the, the next week, I think, is maybe one of the more interesting games in the back half, James. That's the Week 13 visit to Miami, the Tua versus Burrow game, and more importantly, the sputtering, currently sputtering Miami offense and really rising Miami defense against kind of the opposite situation in Cincinnati, although Tua will have, obviously, quite a bit of time to get it going before the Bengals show up in Miami. This is a game I wouldn't be surprised if they flex it, you know, depending on, and I haven't looked at the other matchups that week or anything like that. But if the Dolphins continue to rise and are in the playoff hunt, if the Bengals can, you know, if they had won two in a row, they beat Washington, they beat the Giants. Well, th- then you're talking about a, a team with a rookie quarterback, winners of three or four, and Tua Tungavailoa, who is a star in this league, fair or not, he just is. And we're, we're not sure if he's going to be a successful quarterback or not. But th- that is, uh, that's a game I'm circling for sure. And one, I think a lot of people are going to be looking forward to. I wish 
it was at home. I won't be able to attend that one since it is in Miami, but uh, that's one I think a lot of people will have their eyes on to watch Tua versus Burrow round two after what happened last year with Bama and LSU. And Miami's a lot better of a team this year than they were last year. Last year we were looking at the schedule and we were thinking, oh no, they might screw up and win in Miami. And and this year, it's weird, two years going to Miami, by the way. It's a little bit strange that they're playing two years in the same stadium on the road, but uh, I, I think it's a much different game this year, right? They bring in Byron Jones, Xavier Howard's playing great at corner. The defensive line has had a little bit more time to come together. Brian Flores is coaching for that defense seems to be paying dividends. That defense is playing better and, and has a pretty good track record this year. They, they just won a game that Tua Tungo-Vailoa threw for like less than 100 yards, and, and they won it pretty decisively because their defense scored a bunch. So I, I do see this being a, another one of those defensive tests on the back half of the schedule, and I think there's only a couple. Pittsburgh, Miami being the second one. And I, I'm kind of in a toss-up for this one right now. I'm not leaning one way or the other. Where are you at? Well, I think the Dolphins are certainly going to be – it's going to be a much tougher matchup than last year, like you said. On the road, that matters too. And two is going to be much different than, than he is now. He's going to be more settled in. You would assume that uh, he's going to have a, a couple of good games under his belt at that stage of the season. So I'd probably give the edge to Miami. But – I still think Joe Burrow's the the better quarterback. I, I think that the the Bengals will certainly be able to outscore opponents in the second half of the season, and that's what they probably have to do in this matchup. But I, I would give Miami the coaching edge. I think Brian Flores is a, a better coach at this stage. I just think he is. They're, they're organized. The Dolphins, uh, and not that Zach Taylor isn't, but he, I just think he's building the right things, and you're seeing it uh, in Miami. You saw it last year at times. So. We'll see. In the other part of this game that's interesting is there is a little bit of pressure on Tua with the Adam Schefter report last week where basically said that they put Tua in to evaluate them because that Houston pick could be really good that they got in the Lamry Tunchel trade and they haven't ruled out taking a quarterback again. So there is some pressure, I think, on Tua the second half of the year and certainly in a game against the number one pick in his draft to play at a high level. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. We have four more games, Jake. That's December 6th. When that game happens, we'll still have four more to discuss. We will break down all four of those next, right here on the Locked On Bengals podcast. Hey, what's happening? It's your boy Q, host of the Locked On Raiders podcast. And I hope you guys feasted on the MyBookie Turkey Day free play that allowed users to grab themselves a risk-free bet up to $250. It was basically a free shot at trying to double your money. If you didn't get in on that, what are you doing? No, nah, but seriously, now is the time to get some skin in the game with my bookie, where odds boost, lightning deals, and free bets await all season long. And with the NFL playoffs right around the corner, we know who these teams are. We know what they're capable of, and it's not difficult to find some value in the lines. Whether you're a first-time customer or have been playing with MyBookie for years, there is no shortage of value to be found in the thousands of game lines, unique prop bets, and contests that they offer every week. Sign up or get reloaded today. Find an edge, make your bet, and get paid. They also boast a fully-fledged casino platform, giving you access to all the classic table, slot, and card games you'd expect to find at your local spot. 
And the best part is, at my bookie, the doors never close. So you can continue to build your bankroll even after the stadium lights have gone out. Make the right play and sign up today at my bookie. And when you do, use promo code locked on to get your deposit match halfway, all the way up to a thousand bucks. The terms are simple. You put in two hundred dollars, they'll match you with another hundred dollars in your account. If you were already planning to bet this season, this is free betting money. It's winning season at my bookie, so come join in on the fun and win some cash while you're at it. Support for this podcast comes from CDW and Dell Technologies. At CDWG, we get that migrating your agency to a hyper-converged infrastructure is challenging. Like me switching to decaf. Gotta do it, don't want to do it, but gotta do it. Whoa, slow down, friend. CDWG's experts can help simplify your transition from legacy to hyper-converged infrastructure with Dell EMC solutions that offer speed and agility. Do it, do it. Have you done it? Is it done yet? Why isn't it done yet? IT orchestration by CDWG. People who get it. Find out more at cdwg.com slash EMC. Up next on the Bengals schedule is a December 13th date against the Andy Dalton led Dallas Cowboys. And whew, this is a huge game at Paul Brown stadium. And I was thinking that this might have playoff implications, at least for Dallas when the schedule came out, that certainly doesn't look like that's going to be the case. Hopefully Andy Dalton is back on the field by this date. Uh, and who knows? I mean, he missed last week with a concussion. Now he's on the COVID-19 reserve list. So certainly something to, to monitor there, but assuming he is back and he should be back. This is uh this is one heck of an opportunity for Andy to have a revenge game, Jake. I think that that's really the only interesting storyline for Dallas in this game, though. They have been a very bad football team since Dak Prescott hit the IR. They do have a lot of weapons. I mean, you're still dealing with Gallup and Cooper and CeeDee Lamb at wide receiver for Dallas, which has got to be one of the top trios in the league. But Andy Dalton hasn't been great in his limited opportunity in Dallas. Obviously, Danucci or whatever the backup's name is had a really hard time in his rookie debut. So so what I'm looking at in this game, yeah, there's going to be an Andy Dalton storyline, most likely, and I hope he gets healthy. Uh, you know, always wishing the best for Andy Dalton as a, as a human being. But I don't know that I necessarily see this being, you know, the, the test that I thought it was going to be coming into the year. I thought, you know, you're dealing with Dak Prescott in a high-powered offense, and now it's just like, well, the offense has been pretty defunct. Mike McCarthy doesn't look like he was the right hire. The defense has been an abomination. So I'm I'm looking at this right now, and I'm saying, hey, it's another winnable game. I'm not sure if I'm leaning toward a win, but in Cincinnati, it, it certainly kind of lends to that sort of slant. And I, I like Joe Burrow against a bad secondary and, you know, a, a pass rush that we'll have to see kind of what shape it's in in a few weeks. I certainly think it'll be a shootout, right? Maybe maybe first the 35 or first the 40 wins. And it's crazy, but if it's Andy versus Joe, I would lean Joe in that scenario. Who knows uh, what will happen the very next week, and this is uh, a huge game, Monday night football on December 21st, just a few days before Christmas, Bengals hosting the Steelers. Look, we all know that the history, especially primetime history, nothing would matter more. I get it. We're, we're worried about their matchup in week 10 in Pittsburgh. But man, if Joe Burrow and the Bengals could find a way to win this game in primetime, it would be huge and I don't know what the records are going to be or anything like that but this is uh this is going to be a huge game for Cincinnati 
Joe Burrow can check two boxes that will endear himself even more to Bengals fans than he already is in this contest. One is, like you said, James, the primetime box. And two, not only the primetime box, but the primetime box against the Pittsburgh Steelers where Bengals fans have watched Marvin Lewis-led teams falter for the better part of two decades. And yeah, I know there's some exceptions to the rule in there, but that combination, Pittsburgh Steelers and primetime, we would have looked at this game a couple of years ago or maybe even 10 years ago and thought, oh, here we go. You know that meme. Oh, shit, here we go again. And and that isn't necessarily the feeling this year. I'm a little bit worried about that Week 10 game in Pittsburgh because I don't trust that the Steelers are going to play a clean game, quite frankly. I, I, I know that's incredibly biased and not fair of me, but I just have suspicions of unspoken bounty stuff, and, and, and I'm just worried about it. I'm worried about that being something that's out there. Like, let's let's show this rookie what it's like. But the second time around, you know, not not so much worried about that. He'll he'll have seen the Steelers before. We're back in Cincinnati in Paul Brown Stadium, and Joe Burrow, a guy that has always risen to the occasion. And hey, this is a great opportunity to show that this is going to be different, and a good opportunity for Zach Taylor too, depending on how how these other games go to show, hey, yeah, this offense, I got it going in the right direction. So all that said, I do have to say I'm leaning toward Pittsburgh still in this game. But this late in the season, there's so many unknowns, so many variables. It's a bit more of a toss-up than the Week 10 game. You're right. It's hard to predict. There's there's a lot of variables. And who knows the very next week. I mean, really, the, the final three games that the Bengals have on their schedule, just from a quarterback's, who they're going up against standpoint, it's tough. You got Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers, arguably the best defense in the very next week. And I know they're playing bad right now, but I wouldn't be shocked at all if Deshaun Watson figures it out in Houston at least a little bit and they win a couple games here uh, over the next couple of months. And, and this feels like a a winnable game, but I think some people are penciling it in as a win. To me, I don't feel that way, but it is the first time that we'll see Deshaun Watson versus Joe Burrow, which I think is, uh, is going to be fun because they're both playmakers and they're both really – really good quarterbacks that are going to be asked to carry. I don't want to say bad rosters, but I'll say it bad rosters. And so I think that December 27th matchup, it is in Houston, by the way, I think that one could be pretty fun. It's going to be an interesting potential shootout again, right? You got two quarterbacks that are pretty good, two defenses that are not so good, but JJ Watt's still over there in Houston. I don't know who else is on that Houston defense right now, to be quite frank, Bernardrick McKinney. I think. Is he still there? Zach Cunningham? Maybe. I'm not even sure. There's some guys that, you know, in the past have been good. I think they're really missing DJ Reader the way the Bengals are really missing DJ Reader right now. But this is a team that Bill O'Brien, man, you, you trade away DeAndre Hopkins like that. You're, you're pretty much punting on this year. And now Bill O'Brien gone. It's hard to see this being a very rosy picture for Houston, but it is in Houston. You make a great point there. That is a huge factor that I think goes their way uh, late in the season, you know, December, late December, who knows what's going on with fans in the stadium and that sort of thing. Hopefully, hopefully the world is going in the right direction. The U S is going in the right direction with regards to COVID at that point, but really hard to say this far out, but on paper right now, this leans toward a winnable game for the Bengals. I'm not saying that I think they will win uh, as, as strongly as I think, you know, they should beat uh, the, the New York giants, for example, but I, I do think that this is a winnable game for the Bengals in week 16. 
No doubt about that. No doubt. I, I think it's winnable. Again, it's just so far out the forecast that I'd probably lean towards Cincinnati just a little bit. You don't have the interim coach. It's towards the end of the year. Houston at that stage could be looking toward, you know, towards vacation. And I don't think the Bengals are in that mold. You know, Zach Taylor, there's a scenario where he's coaching for his job. There's a scenario where, you know, Joe Burrow's really pushing here. Uh, d- just for some wins at the end of the year, I don't think the Bengals by any stretch are, are going to to have mailed it in. And, and that brings us to our last game, the, the season finale at Paul Brown Stadium. AFC North opponent, the Baltimore Ravens, who knows what they're playing for right now. You know, they're still trailing Pittsburgh and, and they're going to try to work their way back into potentially getting the only buy in the AFC this year. So this could be a, a game potentially, you know, if the Steelers lose a couple and the Ravens start to pick things up where Baltimore has to play its starters. But there's also also a scenario, Jake, where that isn't the case. And they're kind of resting resting guys and, and getting ready for their, their playoff matchup the very next week. The AFC is actually pretty top-heavy this year. There aren't very many teams in the middle. There's Pittsburgh at 7-0. and And, you know, I think everybody's expecting that they're not the best team in, in the NFL. They're probably not even the best team in the AFC. They're probably going to lose some games at some point. Kansas City, 7-1. and I think, conversely, everyone does think that the Kansas City Chiefs are the best team in the AFC. Fun fact, James, by the way, Kansas City in one more game than the Steelers has only allowed 10 more points than the Steelers. So you talk about the Steelers potentially having the best defense in the NFL. Uh, Kansas City, you know, I think on a points per game basis, it might might even be a little bit better. But, oh, and, and to go back earlier, now that I'm looking at the standings, Miami, who I mentioned having a much improved defense, actually has allowed fewer points in the same amount of games than the Steelers. So something to watch. That Miami defense and that Miami point differential speaks to a much better team than their record. But talking about the Ravens, the reason I'm talking about this is they're currently the fifth seed in the AFC, as I see it. So it's very, very possible that they are absolutely playing for seeding at this point. And I hope that they're playing for something because I would love to see Joe Burrow and Zach Taylor get another rip at this Baltimore defense that had them totally dazed and confused the last time they came, the last time they went to Baltimore and and Joe Burrow's first experience against the Baltimore Ravens. I just want to see progress. There aren't very many times in a season you get to see how a player responds game to game against the same sort of scheme, the same sort of team. We'll see it twice in the second half with the Steelers. We'll see it in week 17 with the Ravens. And I don't think this is a win for the Bengals. I'm leaning hard toward Baltimore, but We've seen the Bengals do some things to Baltimore in week 17 before and Joe Burrow in his last game of his rookie year. I think it'd be a little bit silly to write him off. I I just think it would be a, it's an uphill battle, let's say. And it is. And that's fair to say. I don't, I don't think it's look, it's the Ravens. Okay. They, They have arguably the best roster in the NFL and they almost beat the Steelers who everyone's been extremely worried about, uh, last week. And guess what else? They crushed the, earlier this year so yeah that's that's fine and so I look at these eight games Jake and you know if I had to predict them now and again we we know it's that's why it's fun don't hold us to this but I'll I'll say loss at Pittsburgh win at Washington win against New York oh that Miami game's tough I, I think they they split Miami and Dallas right so win loss go either way lose the Pittsburgh beat Houston 
lose the, to Baltimore. So what's that? That they would beat Washington, beat New York, beat let's say the Dolphins or the Cowboys. So I have them going four and four. I don't know. I feel like I'm being a homer right now. Four and four. You think four and four is reasonable? I think it is somewhat reasonable. That they'll probably there, there's I don't know about probably, but they'll probably lose a game they should win at some point. They'll probably win a game they should lose at some point because that seems to be the way the NFL goes. And the Bengals are back to being that kind of team this year that. Uh, you know, we just saw them against the Titans. They, they're going to win games that we don't expect them to win from time to time. There's plenty of opportunity for that in the back half. And then they're going to win some games we think they should win and lose some games we think they should lose. And I think that, that four wins is a relatively reasonable expectation. That rant lands right in the middle of our preseason expectations of, you know, five to eight wins. And, you know, you can easily see, you know, that tie, the, the Indianapolis game. A couple things go a little bit differently. They hit the top end. And a couple things go a little bit differently. Well, maybe the way the second half goes, they hit the bottom end. So I'm I'm good with four wins. That's right in line with what we thought in the preseason. And we'll just have to see what happens in the second half. I can't wait to talk about football again. I can't believe the bye week has both gone quickly. And, you know, I think next week we'll start to feel, man, when do we get to watch the Bengals play football again? But we'll be back on Sunday. We're going to be getting ready for the second half. Until then, Bengals fans... How's four wins sound in the second half? Let us know. Who day and have a good one. Did you watch the 2020 Reds with higher expectations than a first round wild card exit of epic proportions? Did you think that the Reds hitting would come around with the signings that they made last offseason? Are you wondering who is asking you all of these questions? Hi, my name is Jeff Carr, and I host the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Throughout the offseason, I'm going to take a look at these Reds, how they fix what didn't work in 2020, and how they continue their success in 2021. But wait, there's more. I'll also have interesting interviews with players, writers, and everyone in between talking about the Cincinnati Reds. Come join me on the Locked On Reds podcast each and every day.